Wednesday. We're gonna come back to our Wednesday night episodes here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. We're excited to dive into Sooner stuff. I'm your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel and listening wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're there. Please wipe your feet, like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars and think we deserve it. Give us five anyway and gifted. Make sure you subscribe as well. If you haven't subscribed here, as well as at the Sooner or Later Sports Show and that channel, they need all the love for all the recruiting news. So, Coop, just going to jump right into it, my man. How have you been today? Man, doing good. Uh, like I said, man, I, I, I feel like... Uh... I feel like I haven't done a lot today. I feel like I really took it easy, but maybe it's just because it was like normal busy instead of uh, nutty busy, uh, like it has been for about two months. So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, excited to be back in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we're getting our uh, Wednesday night stuff back going, man. It's been a it's been a bit since we've been able to do a second episode during the week, but at the same time, my biggest problem right now is that it's like literally dead season, uh, literally dead period. Like, so coaches aren't even really. There's no real visits and stuff going on for February. But going into March, things are about to turn itself back up. I was actually sitting here watching the OU women's basketball game. Just watched Lexi Keys hit that game with a three-pointer. So the women can now got them back-to-back Big 12 championships. Congrats to the ladies. Kilt it. The game, it was actually real good. I, I was kind of concerned at the beginning. I was going between that and the men. And uh, I was concerned about the women in the beginning. Checked out the men in the beginning. I was like, okay, they're playing defense. Went to the women's going back and forth and yeah, women closed it out and got their Big 12 championship. So, these were winning some stuff around here, winning some, uh, taking taking some of the Big 12's hardware before we walk out the door. But no, today's been interesting for me as, as well. Work wise, it was wild, uh, very busy. But then the um, Oklahoma breakdown dropped, right? And Brent Venables was the interviewee. So it was the 400th episode for Gabe and Teddy. Make sure you guys show them some love. They definitely deserve it. They, you know, hitting 400 episodes is huge because as much as, you know, this is fun, this is still a grind. It's it's not yeah. as easy as people really think it is. Just getting on here and trying to talk and actually try to sound <laughs> halfway interesting. I know I ain't interesting, but trying to sound halfway interesting, it, it ain't easy. And 400 episodes is huge. So make sure y'all go show Gabe and Teddy some love for them hitting that massive, massive milestone. But for me, man, I want to talk about some of the comments that Venables dropped and some nuggets he dropped because the best part about his interviews, as we open this bad boy up, the best part about the Brent Venables interviews is that you ask him a question, he's going to go for like 10 to 15 minutes straight by himself. But it's all transparent, good nuggets, actual detail. Like there's player updates, We'll speak on a couple of them, but y'all still need to go watch the entire episode with BV. Like I said, show Gabe and Teddy some support. Um, all the reports, of course, coming out with some of this stuff, but there was the player updates. But the one thing that really jumped out to me was, I'm going to start with this and then we'll talk player updates, was he talked about last season and how how confident he spoke this year going into this coming season. Because one of the things he made mention of was, and I'm paraphrasing here that a lot of the players were not really playing in the position that they should be playing in. And it was more so because we were dealing with so many injuries. Like we both our cheetahs got hurt in Justin, as well as Desan at some point. So you started seeing Kendall down there, which Kendall's a little bit better out there as a boundary. But he also said that he also plays better at the ball going towards the ball. So playing him down low at the end of the season, you started noticing, especially as, 
Kendall told us here on the show, he likes getting sacks more than interceptions. And he got two sacks against Arizona. Mm. He had two picks on the season. So you start to see how really effective he was in blitzing, getting tackles uh, for loss. He's really good at that. And so you, he pointed that out, talked about the linebacker room and how, you know, some of the young players are stepping up. But at the same time, you had a lot of guys trying to figure out where to be. And the one nugget that jumped out the most out of that entire conversation was he talked about on defense how you have to rely and trust on your teammates to know where you're supposed to be. And one of the biggest problem was is that some of the players, of course, going into their second year in the system or even some in their first, they still were trying to figure out exactly what's best and the best place to be at so that their and the teammate could feel comfortable. Like he knows I can, I can go down here because I got a guy covering the sideline. Right. So that, that way you can really take advantage of what's going on. But the bigger problem was you saw guys after we started to kind of fill ourselves at that seven and zero, instead of really playing in the system, they tried to go out there and make plays. And that's when you start to notice like, okay, we got to start reeling this bad boy in. And it, it, that happens when you get a record that they got at, you know, seven and oh and beating texas red river like we did so because yeah. of that he said good thing is we're starting to everybody's got that buy-in and you're starting to see that these we're, we're, we're starting to make transitions so coop hearing that how, how what did you catch out of that last uh rent from uh well, me uh, via bv uh, you know, as a person who can turn any simple one-word answer into a filibuster, um, <laughs> we, we love it because um, you know it, that's people want to hear Brent Venables go off. Uh, nobody wants to hear me talk for ten straight minutes. Um, so sure. I, I, I say this is. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at just the kind of the in and out with Canick, even um, because. You know, I, 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 as I look back, Stutzman getting hit, injured, you know, affected us in one second, uh, second more. Um, sorry. One of the two losses definitely affected, right? And then right. you've got, um, you know, you had Dolby running out there. I mean, there were times Peyton Bowen uh, was asked. I mean, Peyton Bowen's going to be a freak. And then, like, and if you don't understand how I can say that based off of this year, listen to mm-hmm. this: is for any freshman secondary player come back. I mean, to to come in and to play significant snaps as a freshman that that's that's impressive. But right. Bowen was playing three or four different positions. I mean, he was lining up as a nickel. He was doing his special team stuff, which was great because I mean, obviously he's had a couple blocks. Now he's the, he's the number two guys on this team for blocks. Uh, one of the transfers he's going to have to catch up to. I, I think it's the kid <laughs> from out West. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, when you've got a, you know, a little bit of influx on a team that has been in the same system for three or four years, like mm-hmm. it, it gets hurt. That's a little bit easier to handle. But like last year, it was, you know, we, we came year one, Danny Stutzman, you know, uh, making the comment about, you know, Venables, you know, said I'm supposed to be two inches this way. You know, we, we drilled him on that one. And then last year, that wasn't an issue at all. Last year, he was the leader and he was lining folks up. And but still, 
late in the season, you have injuries starting to happen. That familiarity starts to happen. Uh, I mean, it starts to kind of become a little bit less frequent and things can kind of go sideways. You have to that's reset. True. And, you, and as a coach, that's, that's, that's hard. Like none of us were saying this during the Oklahoma, I mean, after the Kansas loss. None of us were saying, hey, listen, it's, it's you know, there's positions, people in and out. We were praising the flexibility for guys like Kendall Dolby and for guys like uh, Peyton Bowen. Um, you know, we had a lot of safeties in and out. I mean, we're still trying to learn everybody um, kind of where they're at. And that, that's tough because, um, I, I mean, you also had Desan McCullough who was trying to learn, like, what he was. And right. that was a big deal, too. So it's like now you've got – we, we this we go into this year and we'll talk about this a, a lot is we'll go into this year and you know there are a lot of athletic freaks that Venables has and you know we made the joke that like hell everybody's going to freaking play cheetah you know during the the 23 class I believe and and, and I kind of feel like that was joking but like that's where he was going with these Taylor Wines, these Taylor Himes, um, you know, all these guys who are just absolutely just freaks of nature. Um, and so, but you also have to be able to trust where someone's going to be. So in the Red River game, when Canick dropped back, and there was the double uh, double uh, clutch by um, oh, Quinn Ewers, and uh, I'm sorry, he's supposed to be going number two quarterback overall based off of uh, – uh, Doc Texas uh, on my on my receipts checklist, but um, but he's not going number two overall. He's not even going in the draft because he was scared. But I digress. Uh, yeah, we would expect him to be gone. But on top of that, that kind of answers a, like a lot of the depth questions or whatnot. Like we have the players. The problem is they just didn't know the system, and so it's kind of hard to throw people on the field that aren't truly ready. You know what I mean? So yeah. when he was talking about that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Of course, we don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff, who's truly injured, what injuries are, because a lot of that stuff ain't disclosed. You know you know yeah. when people are out, but you don't really know why, or you don't know why they're limited, or you don't even know that they are limited sometimes. And so just that transparency is always awesome from Venables. That's kind of like I say, he's my favorite when it comes to those interviews because you could just ask him one question, and as you said, he goes on the filibuster. He'll talk. He'll talk you for 10, 15, almost 20 minutes straight. And I was watching it. I'm just like, Gabe and Teddy is just absorbing all of this info. But you had that. And then, better. of course, as Mike mentioned it here, uh, Jacob Lacey looks like uh, Venables mentioned that Lacey is most likely going to have to medical redshirt due to blood clots. Uh, kind of something retire. he dealt with last offseason. He's medically retired. Uh, my bad. Medically retired because of it. Not redshirt. Retired because yeah. he dealt with that same thing last year. And that's not something that just goes away once they come. And unfortunately, it looks like it may have gotten him. So he came back for a sixth season. That was going to be one of our major defensive tackles. And now the question is, is we're going to go into talking about some of these position battles. Um, who's going to replace him, right? So we'll put a pin on that. That'll be something we'll come up with next. But the last thing I want to mention from the show and why I need to go watch it as we get ready to dive right into position battles. We want to talk about position stuff just early as we prepare for spring is he said that some coaches Coop, some coaches got some SEC job offers on our staff yeah. and they turned the jobs down. Turned them down because they were bought into what we were doing here. 
when I saw heard him say that, I'm like, oh, because I'd heard rumors about a couple of people. Actually, about three of them. So I was like, oh, man. That's pretty and, big. And it wasn't Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, so, like, it, I mean, there were there were there was an Auburn. Uh, there were there Alabama. Were guys. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn, Alabama. Um, guys, I mean, this coaching staff, the way this thing's put up, uh, this is the success. Like, we all saw uh, the coaching rehabilitation program that Nick Saban was running at Alabama. And um, and I don't know, maybe uh, um, maybe we, we, we kind of saw them kind of go in and out and in and out. But, I mean, like, I got to say that, like, just the stability of the coaching staff in general – since 1999 here at Oklahoma has been has been pretty pretty cool. I mean, there's been a lot of great coaches come through here. There's been a lot of good guys, you know, go on and um, people are when when you succeed at a place like this, a place like Notre Dame or Ohio State, you, you're getting hired um, and you're going to move on. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's good because you're running in thinking like if we can walk into the SEC with a bunch of coaches that like a lot of the SEC SEC teams wanted, we're in a good spot. Exactly, and they know that they can recruit. That means that they are a threat to those other schools mm-hmm. because of that. And then, as Topher mentioned, one of the coaches even got some NFL offers, which we I kind of expect. You know, with us having some you know former NFL guys and guys with former NFL ties. I would expect us to definitely see our coaches get try to get poached up to the NFL because the NFL right now is recognizing that they want some new young blood in the NFL. College, of course, is the best place to go instead of just hiring from within because a lot of coaches are trying to get out of the collegiate ranks. And the best statement of all, before we jump right into the next topic, Venable <clears throat> said that he loves the change of college football. He, he enjoys the chase of the adjustment. He may not like the direction college football is going right now, but paying the players stuff, he likes. He likes them having the opportunity to be able to transfer. He likes. He enjoys the chase that is involved with what's going on, and now he's just waiting for it to stabilize to where that he can master it. And, bro, and that gets me pumped because everybody's terrified about what's going to happen with their coaches right now. I ain't scared of what Venable's going to happen. And from And from just like a – from a leadership standpoint, I, one of the best leaders in my life ever told me as a leader, your job is to minimize what everybody else will try to maximize. And all you hear all day long is frustration from coaches. Every, you know, it's the off season. Everybody needs to talk about that. Listen, Venables, no, I mean, Ven- you know, I, you got to kind of take him at his word. I think he is sick enough in the head to in, enjoy the the chase and the, and the newness of it. And another thing that mm-hmm. he can be really, really good at doing. So there's a chance there, but he's done another complaint that's going to end up on pardon the interruption uh, with him ranting about the recruiting, everything. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great. He'll end up here. And people will, it's hard. It's hard. Like, it's hard to not like Brent Venables, no matter who you are. Yep. That's the best part about him, man, is that it's it's really impossible to just not like the dude. Right? He, players love him, because their goal here is to take care of the players, not only yeah. in preparation for the NFL, because only 3% of players ever make it to the NFL because of multiple reasons, yeah. not just talent, sometimes injuries and other circumstances. But he want to make sure they're good off the field. 
once they leave, they know what they want to do and have an idea. And by doing that, parents probably love that. They're like, okay, we're pushing for the NFL, but if, uh, you know, got, you know, knock on wood, an injury situation happens and we can't, our kids are set up to be successful. So they're trying to make sure they're set up for their, their, let me put it this way. The one thing that I've always said about NIL, paying players, if they're employees or not employees, whatever it is, a lot of people feel like the one thing that's of concern is taxes, right? All these kids are going to learn to pay taxes and pay, cover this and blah, 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 right? Well, coaches have always preached that they are leaders of men, right? That's who they are. If that's the case, that's one thing that a father... Mother will teach their child taxes, how to t- pay your bills, how to cover this stuff. If they're leaders of men, they should be taking up taking it up on themselves because those players are doing stuff to help them elevate their careers as well. And I love yeah. that Venables basically said exactly that, that we're going to make sure that they're good to go as contributing adults to society. God, dog, that sold your boy on Venables at that moment. So... All right, thank y'all for pulling up. Please, as Lemon tells you, hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz. Wipe your feet. We love that. It ain't overrated, Boomer. Don't be hating on it. You know you love it. Um, I love that we got to steal that as well. So now let's jump into some fun topics here. Let's talk depth charts, right? It ain't even spring yet, but it's always fun to just speculate as we prepare for the spring ball. We'll have opportunity to speculate for spring. After spring, we'll get get a depth chart. We'll see them play. We'll get to speculate throughout the summers going into the first fall roster. And then we'll get to speculate as we get about three games into the season about what the lineups are going to look like, barring injury, what things look like. And so I'm excited. I want to talk about this. As we mentioned, Coop, we've got that good old competitive depth. Uh Uh-oh. All because... Now we're dealing with the situation with Jacob Lacey, which I hate. Praying for him. Hopefully he gets better. And he's good. Now we got to look at who's going to be able to step up. Who's next man up? So, kind of want to start in the trenches. We'll go through D-line. We'll go through O-line. And then we'll both pick a position on, on offense and defense. You know what, Coop? I'll let you pick a defensive spot. I'll pick an offensive position. And we just kind of talk through the players. That's how we'll wrap up the show. So it's going to be fun, chill. Uh, we're only 20 minutes in, so it's probably this should last as a good 40. So let's start off with this. Defensive line. Jacob Lacey, his situation. So that means that at that three technique, at that zero, basically your defensive tackles, got a lot of guys to consider. I'm looking at this, and I saw the pictures that our boy um, – Ashton Champ Sanders put on Instagram recently. And he looks kind of ginormous. Like legs gotten bigger, arms gotten bigger. Yeah. It's like he's been, you know, working out with Schmitty. If I'm looking at the defensive line like that, I'm looking at Dejon Terry. I'm looking at Grayson Halton, good old G baby. And to be honest, I'm also looking at uh Champ moving up there. Especially because not only does he know the system, but it looks like condition-wise, Schmidty's got him good. If I'm going to go with a fourth, 
I think behind Grayson, you're probably going to see Stoney at the three. I'm going to be honest. I think Stoney's going to end up working his way into rotation there just because we were young in that position anyway. And we were actually, we were older at that position coming into the season. Now we're very young. I'm thinking that four. Coop, what you talking about? Um, prayers for Jacob Lacey. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I hate this situation because there's so many, uh, there's so many people who have dealt with these types of things. Uh, you know, Redman uh, dealt with it when he was here. And, yeah. um, you know, it, I just hate it just because it's, you know, from a selfish standpoint from, you know, watching the team, it's always at that defensive tackle spot. And we need, um, you know, we need that leadership. So, you know, I, I got to think that, um, uh, you know, as Steven's kind of saying down here is, you know, he'll, he'll stick around the team and he'll have a spot and, you know, they'll use him to, 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 to be around. So, um, but yeah, going with what you're saying is, uh, you've got, I mean, Deshaun Terry is going to have to take that room and, and run with mm-hmm. it. You need Halton to, um, to really get the gains. Um, this is a spot where I don't think that this was going to be a weakness for us. We just need them to like hold serve. Um, right. you know, that's a, that's essentially just what the defensive tackle, I mean, like last year, our defensive linemen, uh, defensive tackles, the inside guys, um, I mean, led by, uh, you know, our boy Isaiah Coe. Uh, Isaiah is training right now, and I've been chatting up with him. He wants to, you know, come right around um, um, Pro Day at the uh, at OU. So kind of hang in there and um, just, just chatting a tad bit. But long story short, I think this year the, the youth may not be a bad thing. I think 25 is the year where, you know, a lot of people really have their eyes looking at. So maybe this uh, good playing uh, opportunity. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, you, you think G-Baby is going to be there. Uh, Dejon Terry is going to be uh, hitting it. Um, but um, I just – I wonder if uh, Jane Jackson might be a guy who gets a lot of early run too because um, he – he, I mean, he's not going to be judged on his ability to rush the passer. That's going to be icing on the top. His is going to be about, you know, playing the run and holding his up, you know, in pass rush. And so, um, you know, that being said, I, that it's not like we've got a bunch of no-talent hacks back there. It's all just right. extremely young. And this is probably the most talented our defensive line has been since G G Mac was here, I mean, seriously, like, like I yeah, don't know if before, it's yeah. if it's had that type of a this type of talent, um, and it's going to get better and it's going to keep on getting better. So, um, yeah, uh, it's for Lacey. You know, if you guys if you guys follow them on, you know, go out and tweet it out. Uh, you know, hey, we got you. We'll pick you up. Um, I, I would say that because a guy who he you know he came back this year. Uh, to probably, you know, take advantage of a little bit of NIL, but um, also because he believes what's going on. I mean, it's the same reason why uh, DeJon Terry came back, same reason why Bowman came back, same reason why Stutzman and Woody came back. So uh, I, I like I like everything about um, uh, about just how Brent has this team believing uh, and they want to fight for each other, so it's hard to watch one of their own go down. 
Yeah, and kind of, and Lemon points this out very well. We are, we still are really young, but we've got guys that now actually have that experience. They played in the system. Yeah. Some of the guys two years in, that means that they know where to, what to recognize. And the best part about having young guys that have that much experience is that they can teach the guys behind them where to be, yeah. when they're supposed to be there, all of that. And so that's going to accelerate our next round of guys getting better. And BV mentioned that the early enrollees. They're making an impact immediately. They walked in the door yeah. causing problems, as in not bad ones, good ones. Like they're like, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all here to work hard. Y'all here to, to hustle. Nigel Smith, Daniel Koye, as we now go into the edges, which is, you know, three to edge. You know, you got multiple options here. If we go three down, if we go four, a four-man front, you know, there's multiple on it. Or if you go three with a jack or something like that, there's a lot of options there. And BB mentioned about uh, our most recent uh, tr- transfer, Caden uh, Woolard. How he walks in, he he wasn't really healthy, but he came in with size, right? And yeah. they're ready to see him play. And so, looking at that, you still got Ethan Downs, who's a, who's a maniac right now in the training. They said that he's training his butt off, and he's setting the tone for everybody else. You've got Trace Ford, still technically back, back. right? Uh, R. Mason Thomas, you're still going with uh, P.J. Adebowale. And when he said that P.J. over 250, and they're trying to get him at 265 plus, and he's an animal, yeah, that's the – P.J. is going to be the dude. And we talked about this in the Discord. Yes, P.J. is the dude that, that at five-star, yeah, it's going to be – Terrifying, right? So I'm looking at, honestly, downs with probably Caden Woolard behind him. And I'm thinking on the other side, you may you may be required to play PJ. Like you ain't got a choice. Like he's gonna force hands. You gotta play me. Mixing him, R. Mason Thomas, as well as Trace Ford. And, That's and, gonna be nasty, and you know Trace Ford found himself on the field a lot last year. And if you if you take the take yourself down memory lane, how many times did you see Trace Ford covering dudes downfield? Like oh, yeah, I don't remember ever. I don't ever remember seeing him do that at Oklahoma State. No, I don't. I don't remember. But every single time that I, he made the dadgum play, he's fifteen yards downfield on the sideline, and I'm like, what in the H is going on here? So. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, he's back again, uh, you know, with like the situation with Lacey. Um, but yeah, you, Ethan Downs, bro, I, I, I'm on your side now. Um, (laughs) going into last year, I made a comment. I mean, I, I was, I was, I, I I said, I didn't think that Ethan, I thought it was hilarious that he was on the preseason all big 12. And I was like, dude, may not even play. He may be a forgotten part of the whole that gum defense. But give me guys like Ethan Downs all day long because you need that dude, that Dan Cody, that Ethan Downs, that Dusty Dvorak, that guy who's just going to go absolutely just crazy. And he's going to go ham and he's going to always be out there trying to prove another person wrong. Now, hopefully he is leading the don't stand over players and taunt them on the ground um, trainings here this summer. 
but um, it, it let's it, it's PJ time. Uh, he didn't flash as much as I thought he would this past year, and I and I promise you, um, with Nigel, with Danny, um, with Gilmore, any of those guys, any of those guys at all that absolutely see any opportunity, they're gonna run. They're gonna run for it. Yeah, and we made we made this comment before. Our boy Danny, he doesn't even know what he is yet. He has no, no he clue doesn't. what he is yet. Um, I think Woolard is going to be, um, you know, hopefully he's a little bit more of a uh, impact player than Bothroyd was. You know, I was I was really excited to um, to see what he would do. Did Bothroyd ever? Did he get one sack this season? Like is like maybe one or did he? I think he. Maybe I, I can't remember, but I mean, he was. He was amazing at setting the edge, which was something that we struggled mightily, you know, two years ago. But um, I'm it is, you know, again, just like the defensive line in on the inside, our ends. If the if if the amount of like upside for guys like PJ, uh, for guys like Danny Okoye, for Nigel, it, it's like you can't really. I mean, knock on wood, right? Say just like uh, you can't really miss on all of them uh, unless you're Lincoln Riley receiving uh, receiving core five stars. But um, I got to think that uh, one of the, at least one of those guys, if not three of them, are going to turn out to be just absolute freaks. And so, um, would you love to be Miguel Chavis? Would you love to be you know uh, Coach Bates right now and just looking at a defensive line and just thinking like, what happens when they realize what they're doing? Yeah, because. These guys are going to slowly start realizing that who they are and what they are. And uh, I think it's one of the Jurassic Park movies. Like, as soon as he realizes he's at the top of the food chain, he's going to eat. And and that's where I see guys like PJ, guys like Danny Okoye and Nigel. Yeah, and Oklahoma led the nation in interceptions the last two seasons. If you take two seasons combined, they did. And so for Bothroy, no interceptions, but he had 23 pressures out there. So between hits and hurries, he stayed in, in uh, quarterbacks' faces and made them work. Yeah, like against Arizona, he had three hits and two hurries. And so Texas, he had three hurries. And so those are those are a lot more important than people think because what that leads to is either somebody else is getting the sack or they're gonna they're gonna throw a bad pass, turnover, things of that nature, right? Unless you've got just an yeah. elite, <clears throat> elite guy throwing the ball. And so Bothroyd was able to contribute, but man, I I say next season you'll. I don't think we'll see as many Max protect next season as we did this past year, right? Yeah. I don't see think teams. I think teams are going to think in their mind, oh, we can we can slow them down without Max protect. We don't need to look at their numbers from last season. They did nothing. We don't have to worry about them. And then once they start letting us have some one on one battles, we're going to go out there and start owning folks that we people didn't think we could own. So. So that's what the defensive line looks like to me. Uh, I like that. All right. Make sure y'all uh, hit that like button. And yes, this is Down's last season. He should be done if I'm correct. He's a senior. So technically, I think he has a COVID year left. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he does. I, I think he does. Let me let me pull up the I roster think, real quick. I thought we were done with the COVID lineups as of going into this next year, but I could what, be wrong. Every, there's one more one year more? of it. This is the last okay. year of it because this is the fourth year from 2012, 2024. This is the this is the last year that you'll see kids with co- extra COVID season. So next season is the yeah. last year that you'll have a super senior set in which 
honestly, if we get lucky enough, I mean, I'm not going to complain about that. So, yes, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, Boomstick, he does have his COVID year left. Uh, Ethan was what, number 40? Yep, he was a junior last year, zero. So, yeah, he's got two years left. And he never, he's a true, he's a true junior, true senior. He's a true senior, doesn't have a red shirt. So, yeah, he'll actually have the COVID season if he decides to play. So, if he decides to play one more year. And depending on how he goes, you never know. So that's dope. I am stoked on that. Catch you later, Kim. Thank you for pulling up. We're going to talk. Let's dive into the um, offensive line. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball because that is the spot that has the most questions, right? And BV kind of touched a little bit on it uh, very lightly, if I'm correct. Trying to remember who he mentioned, but I was really focused on all the defensive guys he's excited about. That just had me just excited myself. But yeah, I know that's what everybody's concern is. And rightfully so. We've got a lot of players that we don't know right now. And so when I looked at the roster, we're dealing with a lot of redshirt, either freshmen or juniors, really, right? Uh, besides our transfers in. And so we're dealing with a lot of players that didn't have to play last season. Yeah. Or got very minimal snaps. So like we got we lost about ten thousand snaps total, if I'm correct, with the five guys that are no longer here on the offensive line, as well as the transfers. You know, starting five in the transfers, but we still got guys that have experience playing enough, and they're ones that have been groomed to go forward. Now we're gonna run into the same problem, I believe, in like maybe three years once this class is potential that we'll have like a refresh because I think that the guys from this class are going to end up being your starters this past class, uh, 24. They're going to be your ones. Mm-hmm. that's going to probably play a lot together. And then you're going to be bringing in backups. Like, I don't think anybody's going to be seated from being a starter just because I think this class is just special, right? This, the class coming in for team 130 is very special. This is what I'm thinking though. I think both the Jakes are going to take those bookends. I think you got Jacob and Jake. It just feels like that's who we've got. I've been looking at Troy in the middle. Shout out to Popo. He kind of pointed that out to me. He's very high on Troy Everett. I think he does run that middle. Two ends are going to be the interesting ones, right? I think Uzede starts to see some run. I think Fabici Way will get to the other spot. Now, I could totally see a... Freshman getting some run in Eugene Brooks in the two deep. He appears to be ready for that. But I think that uh, Joshua, I think Bates is going to be there waiting right behind Troy Everett to take that spot in a year or so. But to my thoughts is the Jake's on both ends. I think that it'll be Uzeda as well as Fabichi Weiwu. And I think that Troy Everett takes the middle. And with the other transfers in, like Tarkin will probably be with Spitzer, Brown. Uh, Tarkin's will probably be a guard. Brown's going to be a, that right tackle battle with Jake Taylor, but I think Jake Taylor wins it, which gives us just experiences. That's the only thing I care about to be able to prep for that. So what you thinking? And then young players, of course. I'm not going to forget about EPL. EPL won't be here until in the fall, and I forgot the, the school he goes to, he can't graduate early. Um, 
So that's yeah. the reason why he won't be here until the summer. So my anticipation is that EPL will see some run. I think EPL and Eugene Brooks get the most run out of our freshman guys. Cool. What do you think about the offensive line? Um, there's a, there's a lot of people high on Eugene Brooks and, um, you know, what's funny is. is that the, the leaps that he has made in probably the last seven to eight months has, have just been nuts. Um, we want to see Akin get here, um, and get around this team and see what happens. I mean, we've all seen the videos, um, the dude, the dude loves the social media piece. So, uh, hopefully, um, you know, once he gets acclimated a little bit to the athletes, um, you know, I, I, he's got the frame for it. Uh, EPL is going to be a guy who walks in and he is going to blow folks away. Um, so we're going to, it's going to be schemed, but guys, this is still be Bill Beatenbaugh. He is going to be stubborn in the center position. And then outside of the center, I mean, he wants his best five guys that work together. So what does the communication look like? What, how does that work with each other? Um, I, you know, I, I would like to see Bates take over because, I, I mean, I think that he was, you know, the next Creed. Um, he is a guy who in, he, he needs to gain a little bit more. He's got the right attitude. Um, that dog's got the bark. He just ain't got the bite yet and so i think that he needs to continue to work on that they'll, they'll lean on everett uh you know i love jake taylor and i love jake sexton um i think jake sexton is a type of guy who turns into um you know a guy like uh cody ford um mm, you know somebody who is out there and just an, i mean it's a different position but cody ford was in and out i think that taylor is a guy who could be in or out he could be a guard he could play a tackle um so, I mean, if, if I say, you know, I'm going to go with Fabiche too. I, I, I like, I like Fabiche, uh, go with Sexton and Taylor and then let, let's, uh, let's just have at it, um, in, in the middle. So, um, but kind of like the defensive tackles, this, this offensive line is going to have every opportunity to get three to four games underneath their belt, uh, before we really get some crazy stuff. And, uh, and yeah, we might have to talk about Mozi because uh, I'm getting hit up about that too. But um, yep. But uh, the off the offensive line is 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 good. This is a great opportunity um, for guys to prove somebody wrong. And maybe this is a situation like what we thought about the uh, uh, the defensive backs or the wide receivers last year uh, coming in. Uh, oh, Hatchet too is is an, uh, Hatchet's a guy that's going to have the opportunity. He has got a lot of game time. And, um, so you're going to see people going in and out. Uh, hopefully the offensive lines look a little bit better than they did last spring because good Lord, um, that was pretty bad. Yeah. And as is mentioned in here, we have Jamar Mosey has taken a job at central Florida. That's kind of an interesting one. Uh, I mean, it's good for him. He gets himself in the college ranks, starts to get that experience. I mean, we didn't want to hire him, which kind of surprising, but at the same time, pretty good that's definitely a no. no i think kamari moore is sold on oklahoma like pj was which is why pj's here i think kamari moore really likes oklahoma so i don't see him going anywhere i think at all i think at this point he would have balanced if it if that was going to be the situation 
Um, I mean, he, you, you, if you heard our interview with him, I mean, this is something that is special. Um, yeah. They've seen, I mean, he's seen Missouri um, quite often. Um, you know, these kids, when, you know, when Kamari um, committed, I mean, he, he was 16, uh, 16 years old. And um, I mean, it's, uh, he's going to continue to continue to grow. He, he is going to be a stud. We will have to hold on to him by the end of the no, year. No, I, I agree. You that. I agree. And, and Steven, good point with hatchet. That's a good question. Um, if I'm correct, him and his brother were hurt, right. Going into the end of last season. And I could totally see, uh, uh, I can see Jerry and going to the right tackle, right guard spot and Fabici moving to the left. I could totally see that happening. So I'm not ruling out uh, Jerry and uh, Hatchet getting that spot. But yeah, that's actually a good one to point out. It'll be him and Uzeda fighting probably for one of the for the next guard spot. I definitely see uh, Fabichi Wewu taking it, hearing that he is just strong as an ox and he's out there just yeah moving dudes around and the defensive line is still dominant and he's just he's out there he's one of just the naturally strong dudes so yeah and and, and listen howland and ozeda are guys that are i mean they may be an opportunity away um th- there's it's good once again it's not that we have a bunch of no talent you know clowns out there these are all this is just young just absolutely young yep we're going to have a bunch of young players again, which, of course, is always a plus for us. The more young people, the better at this point. We can uh, we can build it up. So I'm wondering if we can steal the other Hatchet brother at the spring. Um, I think spring so. At the spring I think portal. That, I think that timelines with the school systems are probably the only reason why he's not already here. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he had the conversation, so I had to withdraw, and he's going to just, you know, finish the semester out there, and then make another decision. But I think spring-wise, he may actually hit the portal and bounce out in May. I can totally see him pulling up, and we have both of them, which will be good. That's what we need. We need another – we can use another offensive lineman. Heck, and I think we're we're in contention for another one, uh, one of the tackles that's just recently hit the portal. I think we're we're possibly kicking the tires on a few, so I don't know. But with that, that's that line. That's what I think the offensive line is going to look like. I'm excited to just see what the rotations are going to be once we actually get towards spring. I'm ready to see what that spring depth chart looks like before the spring game. You know we're going to analyze the hell out of that inside out, in between, every capacity. We're going to find something to nitpick at, but at the same time, it's going to tell us a lot about what this team's going to look like going forward. So make sure y'all like Subscribe, wipe your feet, hop in the comments, tell us what y'all think about that line. Love to hear it. Uh, favorite food? Forgot. That's a good question. Kamori. Yeah, I forgot. I, I might have to. I'll have to. I have to go rewatch the video. We'll go back and rewatch it. But all right. Let's pick a position. Coop, I'll let you pick. I, either side, offense, defense. Which one you want to go with? And then I'll I'll pick the last one that we'll we'll tackle as a family. All right. So uh, we're, we're going with um, position battles that are exciting uh, to look forward to for, um, uh, you know, I, I'm going to steal a Gabe and Teddy here. Um, I was going to go with the Cheetah because 
I think that with Dolby coming in and proving everything he was, with Harrington potentially coming back, and then the athletic freaks, Peyton Bowen, um, I think that that position is still wide open. Um, I think that we're going to need to be a little bit bigger. If I were a defense this next year, I would know that establishing a strong up front is going to be something that we are going to want to establish right right from the get-go. So I would be running play action like nobody's business and forcing decisions and getting us off. So I, I want to see what can happen out on that cheetah. How can we? How can that quote-unquote third linebacker really fit in? You know, with a heavy front throwing to the tight end. And um, because, I mean, I, I do worry a little bit about Dolby playing in that spot because I think in the SEC, um, that's going to be one of the major differences. We're going to need a McCullough type of a body back there or a Harrington, somebody that's, you know, pressing the 225. Um, that's why the Taylor Heim and Taylor Wine thing is, is really interesting. So, but my, my, my most excitement is probably going to be uh, our linebackers. Um, you, you know, Stutzman is penciled in. But Machadi yep. will be coming off injury. Um, you've got Lewis Carter, who has all of the uh, all the potential in the world. But you've got Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie right there uh, with Canick, and so that's four solid linebackers. And there's two spots. So how does that work? The, the, can Kip Lewis gain a few lbs and displace Canick? Um, you know who lands on the who lands on on which side of the uh, the formation. So um, that's that's really interesting to me because uh, again to be super super strong at um, um, to be super strong at safety and linebacker is something that I'm still not 100 sure I know how to manage mentally. Uh, just because I don't think that we've been strong at linebacker like really strong at linebacker. Uh, since Rufus, maybe, um, that, mm. that, that crew, that crew was pretty good at linebacker. Maybe when K nine was here, um, he was really good. I know we weren't really good overall, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> uh you know, we've had a K-9 lot of was good though. I mean, in the first round, that's the one thing I, I can give to Brian, uh, um, Brian Odom oh. at a linebacker coach is he's, he got K nine as a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, Can't call um, that. True. I think the conversation around linebackers is interesting because we're going to get some people back that were injured, like Phil Pachati will be back. Right. So you'll have him. Mm-hmm. You got the Lewis Carter conversation. You still got Canick, Stutzman. You still got Kip and Kobe. Like that linebacker room is really, really deep with guys that were like, it's man. Salting. Yeah, and I I feel if anybody that I'm concerned about on that line, I'll be honest, Kobe, Kenzie, yeah. um, he had some lost moments when he was uh, when he got his run, and he may end up being at I'm out because Kip has already established himself as a dude that we've got to play him more. Yeah, you got Stutzman back, so you got the veteran leadership. Then Canick, I think Canick's going to have his Stutzman jump which is what you want. Yes. Right. He's two years in now. I think he's going to figure it out and he'll make the decision he needs to, and he'll use his speed and actually go to the right spots and recognize <laughs> who's supposed to be somewhere else to cover him and make sure you're hitting his holes. Cause he started looking like that late in the season when they, when he was basically, when he was a backup, he was playing more of a reserve role. 
you could see him actually cleaning things up, which I was like, okay, that's what we need from Canning. It looks like it hit that click moment like it did for Stutzman against Iowa State yeah, when he sure. recognized they kept they kept uh, baiting him, and he finally cut across on Iowa State and got that interception. They took home for a touchdown, by the way. So yeah. I anticipate that that's what we're going to see out of Canick. And then you start to go back through that line. Samuel Mosigo. BV mentioned him on Oklahoma Breakdown as a player to mm-hmm. keep your eyes out for. Yes. Oh, my goodness. If he's got that strength already ready and his speed, oh, that's another line. So as Lemon knows, I'm not being coy about it, competitive depth is definitely right there at the linebacker spot, and that's the most concerning. And, and, and like I've been saying here recently, get ready because we're getting really, really close to guys that we don't want to see transfer out, transfer out. The, the, yeah, the, the we're at that point. Next, next, next spring, I feel like we're going I – mean, because I already think Kobe McKenzie's on the transfer list. Watch. Uh, I think there's a couple of other names um, that are going to be there also. And so, um, you know, that that's going to happen is – you know, we're not losing guys who are going to go transfer to Texas State. Uh, no offense. But, um, the, you know, Kobe McKenzie's a guy who can say, uh, you know, he he can go and say, hey, listen, I, I'll go transfer to Cincinnati or I'll go transfer to TCU, um, you know, SMU, to, to, to Purdue you know, go back or something home. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, they can always transfer back to the, you know, you go to the SEC. That's cool and all. But, I mean, the bless your heart new Big Twelve is going to be kind of like uh, you know it's it's I mean let's be honest that's 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 a that's a step down from the SEC it's a step down from the Big Ten and so um, maybe maybe that's where you see uh, a lot of people transfer back out to yeah that's what I'm wondering about is where what we're gonna who's gonna be on that watch I think Kobe feels like he would be on that watch but of course don't know much of anything just the fact that. That's just he feels like he's gonna be the hot man out. They like say bringing on Masigo. You I, got Lewis Carter's gonna start playing. We gotta start playing Lewis Carter, um, especially if he knows the game. Like I said, the Crimson Missile needs to be out there leveling folks. And yeah, he, he's and and looks like a and that's playing. And once again, this isn't. This is not because we have anything against Kobe McKenzie. I would if I was building a team on on the you know from the coach and he walked into my office i'd be like yes that is who i want right there um and that's that i mean that's where we're getting with this roster now is this is year three uh you know we're 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 close to full turnover yeah no solid point okay um offense not the line yeah, so let's go into offense. Right, we've already done offensive line. Honestly, the funnest conversation that we have in on the offensive side, and we'll jump into that real quick, but first I want to answer a couple of questions. Boomer dropped this, 129. Thank you for always dropping great jokes into the comment section. You're one of my favorites, of course. Does Vegas have it correct with the seven-win prediction for our first year? My bias won't let me believe it, but it is Vegas. Wayne follows up the same question. What do you think of our win total being in the SEC? So... Boomer, you make can, the point. Can, can I take this one? Can I take this one first, Jay? Because I, I want to kind of point something out, and I think that you'll like this. I think that you'll like this. I'll be super. Give brief. it to me. It opened up at six and a half, and it went to seven and a half like 
almost a day later. So, if Vegas was right, how in the hell did they get it right and then reshuffle and then now it's right? So why wouldn't they reshuffle again? So no, I I, I just I I just feel like going into this year. Like it's it's going to be disappointing, uh, but I mean I think this is a nine. I think that there's that this is a nine ten win team. Um, yeah. The, Al- the Alabama game. It, listen, if we were going to the Big Twelve this year, we would be going talking. Can we make the playoff? The only reason why we're talking about multiple losses is because it's the first year in the SEC. But I don't care. Like it does not matter because if you go and and we're pressing that. That area, um, I I don't buy in on the Ole Miss. They're going to be tougher than they were, but I've just I'm never a big buy in on the full on mercenary approach to doing these things. Just because when you get that much ego from these guys, it, I we've yet to see it really work outside of the Miami Heat, and it really wasn't as pretty because they they were talking about six, seven, eight, twelve championships. And uh, it didn't work that well. We, you know, so uh, you get those egos, and it, it's going to do. And yeah, right there, damn it, you bastard. Um, I, I was going to say we don't have the Big Twelve. Um, we don't have the Big Twelve uh, bias situation going on anymore. No, like, we don't. That is that 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 is it. The SEC refs hate everybody. They really do. And it's like every team says that the refs screw them, and it's like. How did you both get screwed in the same game? But I mean, at the same time, you can. It's just the refs just don't care. They just do their job and they go. And refing is not as good anymore because of the 8 million camera angles that you can see every little thing that they can't see. And unfortunately, unless we want them to stop the game and review every single play, yeah, it's going to miss some. It's going to happen. So you just got to hope that it's not something that's just crit- The only ones you, I complain about are the ones that are like, bro, this is a big play. You knew this was going to go down. Pay attention to everything around you, right? But humans are humans, and it's cool. But for me, I think the seven is ridiculous. I saw it moved up to eight on one book. I think it was FanDuel at one point. It was eight, and it moved back probably to seven and a half. It was actually six, six and a half first. Jumped to seven and a half. I even saw it at eight one point. Yeah, we'll definitely go over that. Right? Like last year they hit us at nine and a half, which I love because that was a big trap. That was a trap for everybody that was doubting Oklahoma. And guess what happened? Oklahoma did exactly what we expected. They won 10 games. I want some good money on it. Can't wait to get back to Louisiana so I can take that money and reinvest it so that I can win more money off of it because I'm going to be betting heavy on next seasons. But the seven and a half to me is low. I I recognize, and I did it in the video before. If you didn't get to check it out, you can check it out. But I actually get why they put it at seven and a half. Because it's weighed heavily on offense. And the fact that we got a true sophomore quarterback with what? Two start, two, one start, two, four games of experience and one start. So five total games. And we've got a basically new offensive line. But at the same time, for us, for us fans, we should understand and recognize. We know Bill Beatonbow. He figures it out. He always has put together these lines where you're like, oh, didn't realize he was any good. Yeah. Still talk about Tyler Guyton. Uh, mock draft came out for Mel Kuyper. He has him going at number 23 to Houston. So it'll be him and Larry B. Tunsil. Right? He may he, not last he, that long. But right now long. in the mock. He's at yeah. no, he's at 23. Everybody that's creating mocks has Tyler Guyton as a first rounder. 
ain't not none one of y'all beside your boy here. Saw that coming. Because y'all, no, was, I was listen, hyped. Listen, I, I steal it from Gabe. When Gabe talks about offensive linemen, I, I'll, I'll listen. And they were, they were, I mean, Gabe, Gabe was big. McQuishan was pretty big on him too. Um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, listen, that he, he is going to be, I don't know what he's going to be in the NFL, but he, if, when he shows up this weekend, cause this, this weekend's the combine, right? Yep. He shows up and dude's going to uh, watch your, there's watch Twitter. Is you're going to see NFL, uh, NFL's um, you know active account um, posting about him running something stupid, some you know four seven one or some stupid you know forty like that. Yep, and he and that's the big thing is he's gonna walk in at six seven, two three hundred and like twenty seven three three hundred thirty pounds, and he's gonna be lean, and they're gonna be like, oh no, you're the physical specimen of what we're looking for, and that's why yes, lol, Mel Kiper, yes, that's why Kiper has him there is because of his physical traits, and that's that's what they look for. That's gonna get that man drafted in the first round. I've saw CBS's, I've seen Tommy Shays, I've seen all these dudes out there with their uh, mocks, and they're all saying he's literally six foot. Seven, 330 pounds of man. <laughs> that is what they look and, for in offensive line. He, he's like a Trent Williams, but a little bit smaller, slightly. Is he smaller? He's, he is Lane Johnson. I can see that. He's Lane Johnson, but he's taller because I think Lane's six five. But I mean, both of those guys started at tight end. So exactly. I mean, That's uh, the crazy part. Know, both playing freaking quarterback their junior and senior years in high school. Is that he he's he's got that soft touch and move at his size for someone. And yeah, Trent is um last time, six five, three twenty. So he's bigger than Trent, big Trent, big silverback. Yeah. That's crazy to think that this dude's bigger. And he's just as athletic because, like you said, he played tight end, so he's got very light, light feet. He's very light on his feet. He caught a touchdown yeah. at TCU, right? So you got a dude that's light on his feet, and is that big? Oh, yeah, we got that. So anyway, back to the point of that. I think that the seven game is ridiculous. We'll we'll go higher than that. All right, let's wrap it up. Last position, wide receiver. We got to talk wide receiver, Coop. Before I send y'all all to bed. No, I got y'all up. Thank y'all for who's tuned in, like, and subscribe and everything. I know that our, our friends over there at uh, OU Insider are doing their thing. I'll probably watch that first thing in the morning when I go to the gym so I can see what's going on in the recruiting world. So they are pulling up. If you're watching this next morning, listening next morning, we appreciate the love. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz. So last position, wide receiver. Emmett Jones needs a raise. Another. He Thank you. One, but he needs another. First off, first off, he deserves another raise. Why? Because that man has made that room so dang elite. AS Mark, I'm thinking nine and three is the floor. I'm thinking eleven and one is the ceiling. And it'll be one of those fluke losses to an SEC team that's not a rival of ours. We'll just put it that way. Most likely on the road. I digress. Emmy Jones' race. Because we got we got this. Let's, let's, listen to this room. I'm, I've been trying to digest this and understand it because I, I got to drop a video just going through each of these players and figure out what, what, what are we going to do, right? You bring back the veteran in Jalil Farouk. 
Now, you can have your opinions about him, what you want. He did not end the season right, but at the same time, when Jaleel gets out there in open space, dude's nasty. He be getting yeah. people, right? I just needed him to, this past season, that needs to just act like it never existed. He needs to have a clean slate moving forward. After him, you got Nick Six, right? We're going to start with healthies. Jane Gibson, who looks like a complete receiver with those touchdowns. He was catching, he had what, four on like 11 catches this season? And that deep one against TCU where he basically drug a dude and then he fought a dude. Oh, yeah. uh, he ran a dude over at Iowa State. He drug a dude against TCU. Um, Arkansas State, he just burnt guys. Like, he's got everything you need, and he's six foot five. He's fast, and he's got it, right? Got Andrew Anthony, who's coming off the injury, in which now we could just tell him to take his time. Get healthy. Because yeah. if you don't play next season, honestly, that wouldn't be a bad thing. You could bring him in the year after. And have him with all the young pups. Veteran presence, right? Tossing there. Deion Burks, who just came in. Who's going to be terrifying, right? One of the best route runners I've seen. Like, he's going to be a masterful route runner. Take Drake Stoops. That's taller and faster. It's basically what we're going to get out of Burks. And I think he can play better on the outside than he does on the inside. Then you got Brendan Thompson. Who's just going to burn folks. We saw it against Arizona. We saw it when um, when uh, when Dylan hit him deep. I can't think of which game it was, but he hit him in stride and he caught the touchdown and went. That was what? Was that TCU? I think that was TCU, or maybe before that. I digress. It was, it, there was never a there was never an in stride. There was no. Always, he got him once in stride. Always, he got him once in stride. He did get him once in stride, but he but he threw it early. That was why. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but you got that. And then you go down the list of all the young players. You still got Jaquez Petaway, who we ain't got to see a whole bunch of yet, and we will. But just going down this line of receivers, Coop, I'm struggling and trying to figure out what, what we going to do. Like, I don't want – I put it like this. I want everybody to play, but I also don't want to hinder somebody from getting a 1,000-yard season because just having a 1,000-yard season yeah. sounds good, but I would still have no problem with us spreading the wealth to 10 receivers having 500 yards each which that would be 5,000 yards passing. And hopefully Jackson Arnold can pull that out of his behind. He pulls that out of his keister, man. I, that's Heisman right there. But, I mean, not realistic, but I digress. If we can get like eight dudes at 500 yards receiving, I'd be excited. And that includes tight end. So, special year. I'm saying, I'm thinking Nick Six, of course, is one of your starters. I think they're going to throw Burks out there on the outside with him. I think you put... Jalil, you put Farouk as your slot. You throw behind Nick Six, Jaden Gibson. Behind Burks, you're probably going to put Andrew Anthony in, or let, if he's healthy, as he's getting healthier. If he's not healthy, you shift him out. And I think you put Brendan Thompson over there. You get him out of the slot. Put him on the outside. Ooh. And then you just let Jackson Arnold throw the ball. Yeah. That's going to be the thing. Good Lord. I, I, I'm I'm dizzy thinking about it, man. What you got? So I think that you run – I think that you got to run Farouk out there in the slot just to see. Now, I know it is a little scary because he, he looked like he was not – him and the ball weren't getting along and he was putting the ball yeah. on the ground a lot. 
Um, I mean, Drake Stoops is worth at least a win and a half for this team this past year. So, like, you know, in baseball, you get to win above replacement. I mean, yep. Drake, trust me, that's going to be big. Now, that being said, I do believe that you're going to see a little bit more. There's going to be a little, a little less deep shots, a little bit more focus on the intermediate passing game um, with this new offense. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I do like it. I mean, if you think, um, if you think that, uh, I, I mean, Nick Six is going to be the leader coming in, right? You're going to still say it's Farouk. We all really know who's the, the leader coming in, though. Um, and so you've got Gibson, who we heard Justin Harrington say, like, you know, he is going to be a beast. Um, and um, said so that he, you know, there's, there's a lot of great talk around there. We yeah. are not talking about any of the physical freshman freaks like Zion Kearney coming in or Ivan Carrion, um, which I, 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 you know, I saw people talking about potential Mike Evans Carrion comparisons. Uh, let's let's oh. pump it on that one just a tad bit. Both of them are He's massive. Um, I think Elijah Thomas is going to be a, a, a stud down the line, but I want to talk about Burks. Like, there's a lot of people who are talking about. Burks is a guy who could potentially in an offense like Oklahoma runs. He's a guy that could push himself into like a, you know, day one, day two wide receiver in the draft. Uh, I mean, I mean like a, a top receiver. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you run a four wide or a five wide set and let Jackson Arnold do what he wants to do. That sounds pretty freaking fun. Um, yep. You know, cause I mean, you run five out there. And it, it's 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 dirty because yeah you got uh, Jaquez Petaway, who I think is um, going into the last season. I, I expect him to get a little bit more run than he did. Uh, Gavin Freeman is still on this team, and um, though this year I'm probably not going to buy absolutely any of the G Freaky business, um, but because uh, uh, I, I want to see it on the field and I want to see. Uh, you know, I want to see some of those things play out. So um, it's a great, a great problem to have because, yeah, not talking about Brendan Thompson, um, not talking, um, you know. If, this right here, though. Talking... <laughs> Imagine Gibson, Nick Six, carry on. Yeah. All on goal line. And At 6'4 and up. Bow- you've got Bauer Sharp. Who's also, was an opportunity to throw out there. Yeah, who's who's a tad on the tie side, and then you bring in, uh, you know, guys like Zan Raggins, who is a guy that you're like, hey, go route on the outside, Brennan. You go on the other side. Have fun, safety. You know, imagine Jake throwing, Roberts I mean, is also just, six five. Good lord. Yeah, Roberts is big. So. Oh yeah. man, the list is just long of just ginormous human beings hey. that. A lot of competitive depth, think. my friend. Yeah, that's a fair point. Didn't think we'd have that much competitive depth. Yeah. Um, Especially tall. I mean, tall ones. And then, and then Von Mitchell on top of that 6'4". Like, we just got a bunch of... I would have never thought Oklahoma would go with guys this big out there. Yeah. And I am excited because they're not only you know, extremely tall, they're also fast. Fast. It's not people that we could be concerned about at all, yeah. right? It's 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 massive. So throwing 
throw in those two bookends, Nick Six, Gibson, throw carry on in at your uh, slot, and then bring in, two, bring in a tight end, the Bauer or even Fanuel. Josh Fanuel's still 6'4". Tall and fast and athletic, because Fanuel is very athletic, and I'm hearing he's, his athleticism is showing. Former basketball player, he looks like it. So, yeah, no, it's – imagine that, because Nick – as well as Gibson can get you four, 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 five, forties and speed. Godly. I'm- and Petaway, and Petaway is a guy who is going to be faster. Obviously, Brennan, Dion Burks, faster. Um, ooh, 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 I got you. Throw, throw Petaway out there with Brennan, and then just throw it. Just go like four verts. It's, put Daniels it's old, in, put Ragin, and just go, just go for Bert. It's the old, uh, it's the old Madden. And then yeah. guess what you have is, yeah. I mean, like I said, if you run anything down, uh, there you go, Lemon. If you run anything downfield, you've got. So let's go. You run a five wide. You've got a running back. Also, um, it probably in the in, in the mix out there. So it's either four and a running back or five wide receivers. So you got those guys out there. Jackson Arnold's left on – I mean, I don't know if you can really have somebody spy Jackson Arnold with the speed that's on the field because you can't ask everybody to run man against the speed like right. that. Now, do I think that we're going to be running five and five wides and four verts? No, not not in the least. Uh, not nah. on the Brent Venables team. But I do think that when you run a double post and then you have a clear out coming back the other way, if the offensive line can hold up – you can't cover you can't cover that for a long time. So if our offensive the, line gives mm-hmm. him four seconds, we got some opportunity. And the key thing is is that we have the option, something that no one can yeah. be mad about, right? That that's and, and, what gets me. And then Rue, hundred percent. You throw in a Caleb Hicks. You have uh, Big X, who is who is now out there practicing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, once again, I, I made the comment, how would you like to be Maine or I mean, hell, even Houston is you're getting your butt kicked all up and down the field. It's early fourth quarter. We start doing shift changes and on defense, here comes Lewis Carter and Sammy, Sammy Omasio, you know, running in and just trying to headhunt your butt. And then Xavier Robinson runs out for your line, for your, you know, on offense. Like, what are you going to do? Like, it, nobody wants that. That's not fun for anybody. So, I mean, no. if I'm if I'm one of these cats, I'm, I, I'm getting a hamstring pull right around the time I start seeing uh, a backup quarterback start loosening up. I know, right? Uh, Lemon, no, there wasn't a mention about any running backs at all, really. I can think about in that interview. I'm going to go listen to it again. I don't think he really talked much about him, but at the same time, I mean, our running back room is pretty darn good. The bigger thing, if we want to know about the running back room, is what is Javante Barnes looking like? How healthy is he? Because you, you'll have Barnes, you'll have Sawchuck yeah. basically as your two backs, uh, a Mecca Megua, which will probably get five carries, you know, a game, you know, and be leveraged because he's still a big dude as long as he gets healthy. As long as he gets healthier, it's going to be stupid. And Dan, you got X who I'm hearing looks a lot like uh, P. Ryan out there, but fast. Yeah, he did mention X because X is a big boy. Yeah, he didn't mention Sawchuck. I don't remember hearing Sawchuck either, but 
and I heard, and I'm hearing no Franklin looks news. good too. So, oof. yeah, no news is good news. Uh, you know, no right news now, is good news. Um, right now there's not going to be a lot coming out because most of these things are player ran. Um, you know, staff assisted. Uh, it's just lifting it's, more so than anything and doing drills yeah, and it, testing. Yeah, and so um, you know, we got spring game is. I mean, tomorrow's March, kids. So spring game is tomorrow's five not weeks, March. Six weeks away. Oh, tomorrow's not March. We got leap year. Yep. Sorry, it is leap year, baby. Don't be hating on it. For some reason, I thought it was Thursday. I know, right? It feels like the, if this week is gone forever. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put a lot of work on them. Wait till y'all see what 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 Jackson and Stone as they train under Schmitty and how their bodies transform through the summer and they're ready in the fall. It's going to be dumb. It's going to be dumb. So I'm excited. All right. Um, Coop, final thoughts. Let's wrap this bad boy up with a bone and let everybody get themselves some, some rest. It's, Cause I definitely could use some myself. Uh, yeah. Here's my, here's my rant for the night is, um, you know, with the, with the NIL, the endorsements, everything happening um, guys, this, we, we saw the first part of this was, uh, one complete way to where, no, we're not going to let them have anything. Now it is crazy town on the other side. Um, you know, I would say this is um, it's going to continue to change. Uh, get with the Crimson and Cream and, uh, Collective, whether it's 10, 15 bucks, whatever you can do every single month. I mean, obviously, if you fill the stadium with 90,000 people and every single one of those people did 10 bucks a month, that's uh, that's bringing us some some folks now. That's not our lead with a lot of the conversations. We're still doing what we're still doing. Um, we still have, you know, the culture, the program, uh, you know, uh, this this creating men. And um, so I, I say this is it, it is going to be um, it, it, that that's going to be our opportunity. But we are not a broke. We are not a broke college. Um, that is not the case at all. We are not going to play the mercenary game. We're going to continue to do. Um, what Brent Venables has put in place. And, uh, yep. you know, we've got it. It's BV we trust and Chavis we trust and Todd Bates we trust and Chavis. Um, this is a great coaching staff, and I'm excited to, hit, to just see what happens. Same. And Stephen makes a good point before we wrap it up. Love Field debuts uh, on Friday. Go check out the ladies on the softball team on the road to 100 straight wins. They can Are get they that good? record. Jeez. Are they good? I mean, you know, they've only won like 60, what, seven straight games. They haven't uh, lost in over a year. In over a year. They're, they're looking, uh, they're, 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 they're 100 wins straight is what the goal is. And if they keep this up, they're going to achieve that. So, Love Field, check it out. Go support the ladies. They're killing it. Sell out that bad boy because it's going to be fun. Thank y'all for pulling up. Please hit that like button if you're new to the channel. Subscribe if you're listening to the audio version. Rate review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Give us five anyway and gifted. With that, we will chop it up with y'all. It's coming weekend. Hopefully something fun comes down the line, but we'll dive into it. Peace.